Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday, of course, because the rest are weekdays. <clears throat> I found a wooden shoe in my, cl- in my toilet the other day. It was clogged. Oh, come on, that one's funny. I don't care what anybody says. Mm. I even got knee slaps in the... Uh, one thing I wanted to say, singing that worship song a while ago, um, it, it was about... Uh, let me see, I, for, I forget it now, uh, the exact words, but it was about how God is always good, but there was, a, there was the bridge. Never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. I, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about that all morning long. Um, you know, when we sing those words, I will say there are times that God has let me down. Wait, 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 let's talk for a second. Uh, he didn't actually let me down, though. It was my expectations of Him that were wrong that let me down. Because God never lets us down. Now, our expectations may be let down because we expect the wrong thing out of Him. And when we sing a song like that, I think it's always really good for us to think a little bit. You know, it's one thing to parrot words that are on a screen. It's another good thing to think about what we're saying. And God doesn't let us down. Now, our view of God lets us down, but God doesn't. So if you've experienced disappointment with God... It's probably because you were expecting the wrong thing. Because God is always good and He always gives you the right thing, not always what you want. All right? I wanted to say that because I was thinking about that. Um, All right. It was 1984. I was a freshman in college, 17 years old. I know it's a little young to be a freshman in college, but I was. And a movie came out. It was one of those horror slasher films, right? I had never seen one in my life. I was kid, going to movies was evil, so we never went. So I'd never seen one of those movies. So I go to see this movie. If I told you the name, you'd all know it, but I'm not going to glorify the movie by telling you the name. But it's one of the bad ones. It's one of the classic slashers. And I went to see this film, and there was tangible evil. I felt it. I was in Bible college. I was a freshman. It was literally tangible evil in the space. I knew it. I could feel it. I could identify the parts of the movie where there was evil in the room. So I took a buddy to see it again the next week. What is it about us that we like darkness? What is it about us that we like to play around with evil? You know, the person who is uh, overdosed strung out of their mind on Narcan laying in the hospital, didn't think the first time that they smoked a joint they were going to wind up there, did they? The person who was alone on the holiday with no interaction with their family or kids didn't think they would wind up there the first time they looked at porn. Are are you all with me? What is it about evil that makes us think, this is cool? I can play with Ouija boards. I can talk about wind catchers and talk about spiritual things, and it's all cool. What is it about us that thinks that that's all right, that we actually pursue the darkness? Many people start innocently enough, but when they wind up going where darkness takes them, you never like it. Oh, it's, it's cool the first time you see a movie until you're having the nightmares that you can't get over and your fear and anxiety is there so bad that you can't interact with people and it all started with a single slasher film or a Ouija board or your horoscope. By the way, if you read horoscopes, you are stupid. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the way it is. Can I just be honest with you? If, I remember as a kid, I read horoscopes. I opened up the newspaper and I read the horoscopes. I read all of them. All of them applied to me. Every single one, every single day. 
Oh, it's auto-suggestion. You think you're experiencing something special because there's auto-suggestion. By the way, I watched a seance one time, once. I wanted to see what's going on. Do you know the girl doing the seance, auto-suggestion, and then the person told them things, and then all she did was respond to what they told them, and they're like, oh, you're so smart. Yeah, I played you like a fiddle. Listen. There's such a thing as powers of darkness. Why are, you, why are you enamored by it? What's going on in you that you think it's all right? All right. It's going to take a long time for me to read my text. I hope your legs are good and strong because we're going to stand for the reading of the entire text, and I'm going to make comments as we go. So Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at the Gadarene demoniac or the Gerasene demoniac, which, depending which version you're reading. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's Word? Luke chapter 8. Starting verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes. I wrote my, uh, <clears throat> I wrote my master's dissertation from this passage. And the reason I wrote it from this passage is because of that one word right there, Gerasenes. And it informed the rest of the passage. It's interesting to me, but I'm not going to talk to you about that today. You'll have to ask me another time. Sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So what's going on is Jesus gets in a boat. The lake of, looks like this, Okay. And I'm going to look from your angle. Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River comes out of the Sea of Galilee. Down here is the Dead Sea. And Jesus spent all of his time on this side of the lake, okay? This is where his ministry was, down here, like this. He gets in the boat, and he goes to this side of the lake. What's over here? Gentile territory. It's all Gentiles. Why is it all Gentiles? Well, we'll find out. Jesus stepped ashore. He was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time... The man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. Dude's had a rough day, week, month, year. All right? But he lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, Most High God there is a, that's, by the way, that's a Greek term for God that would never, a Jewish person would have never used the word upsilon, which is, uh, that's, a, that's a Gentile term, Okay? So he's calling him by his name, Jesus, which he had never seen him before, and Jesus had never been to that side of the boat, town, that side of the lake before. Calls him by name, and he calls him by a, by a, a pagan statement of you are the son of the most powerful of them all. Hmm. How did he get that information? Anyway, notice what he does. The guy with the demon because we're going to talk about demons today. Welcome to Harvest Ridge. <laughs> I beg you, what does the demon do? Demands, right? Is the demon demanding? Of course not. What's he doing? Is the demon in control? What's he doing? Begging. I want you to notice this. Don't torture me. I beg you, don't torture me. Um, for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Wait, 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 wait. Where's Jesus' words in this passage? You're going to read this entire passage. You know what you're going to find out? Not one quote from Jesus. Do you know that? Not a single quote from Jesus in this entire passage. Now, Jesus has obviously said something, and we'll say things later on, but there's no quotes from Jesus in this passage because the author's of the New Testament wanted to make it very clear Jesus wasn't messing around. Notice the posture of Jesus. Notice the posture of the demons. The posture of the demons are bowing their knees, calling out, begging, and what's Jesus doing? It's not even worth quoting him what he said. He just commanded, come out. Many times it had seized him, though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard. He had broken his chains. Was this a weak dude? No, he was not weak. Broken his chains, been driven by the demon into solitary places. Now, and uh, here's a quote from Mark 5, the parallel story. It, I think it's worth it. It sort of creates a little bit of uh, texture. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. All right. I know you're standing, but... Wiggle your elbows and look at somebody, okay? Tell them, tell them to get ready. We're going to stand a bit. 
right, I'm going to say something. Y'all ready, ready for this? Um, oh, my goodness. I cannot believe I forgot it. it I, it, it's the, the Constitution, uh, no, Declaration of Independence. How does that start? Come on, Declaration of Independence, somebody. Come on. We, we, we hold these truths that all men... Wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You all knew that. How'd you all know that? Because it's a part of our culture. Hold on. Wait, wait. You all knew that because it's part of our culture. Let me ask you a very simple question. Is it self-evident that all men are created equal? Really? You mean to tell me I am equal with the muscles on this guy right here? <laughs> this guy's a stud. I'm a wimp. You mean to tell me I'm equal with Jeremy, who plays the guitar here? Do you know how many hours I practiced? And I will never be half as good as him. Is it self-evident that all men are created equal? Come on. Now, we're endowed with our creator, creator with an equal value. You're equally valued in the sight of God. You have an equal value as a human being as I have. And that is self-evident that God values you as much as he values me. But, is, but are we really equal? Or do you view the world through a statement that was written without thinking about how it affects the way you approach life? You, I bet you you do. Manifest destiny, you've never questioned whether manifest destiny is right and what that does with us after World War II and how America is this police people of the entire world. You've never questioned that. But those documents and those actions have laid a foundation of how you view your country and how you view you in your country. And DEI, all men are created equal. Really? We're all equal. You mean you're equal to me? No, I will never be able to give birth to a baby. We are not equal. But yet we live in a DEI world where everybody's got to be equal, but we're not. And then there's frustration. Then there's injustice because we have to create something that isn't actually factually true. And by the way, the Bible never claims you're equal. Jesus said he gave some talents to one guy who had more talent than another guy. Because some of you are just smarter than me. Now, I know you're still standing, but I'm doing this because I want you to think, all right? I want you to be a little uncomfortable because I want you to think. There's a worldview Jesus is dealing with here. And he's dealing with a worldview laid out by Second Temple Judaism that says there are demons everywhere. And these demons, they blah, blah, blah. And it comes from the book of Enoch, which, by the way, is a great book. But it's not a book that belongs in our Bible because it's actually not factually true. But it's a story everybody thought and believed about. So Jesus in the Old Testament, hold on, hold on. In the Old Testament, how many demons are there in the Old Testament? None. Well, maybe one or two instances, but it's all in post-exilic literature. But don't get me started on that. <laughs> Aren't you glad, guys glad yesterday I just spent two hours talking about an introduction of the Gospels instead of opening this stuff up? Anyway, <sighs> What I'm telling you is this, is there's a worldview in this passage. And this worldview has affected this man, has affected all of the people, has affected why Jesus walks on the scene. There are demons everywhere. There's a worldview that affects all of these things. And you and I, we don't know what the worldview is, so we're reading the text. And when we read the text, we read a story like this, and we don't catch all the underlying stuff that's going on like this. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. Do you know what Legion is? That's a Roman garrison of 6,000 people. This is a politically charged term. This guy had been in the military. He was strong. There are political charged terms all over this text, and we want to blame it all on demons, but it's not all on demons. It's on world views. Are y'all? By the way, the book of Enoch says that angels had sex with women and therefore half angel, half human demons are now running around the world. By the way, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said angels can't have sex. 
he undermined. Jesus constantly was undermining worldviews, and he did so in subtle ways. And why am I telling you all this? Because I want you to be uncomfortable as you stand here, because sometimes when you read these texts, you get so comfortable, you don't pay attention. I know I'm being intense today. This has been bottled up for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's coming out. (laughs) I've been hungry for 21 days. I'm taking it out on you. (laughs) All right, y'all ready? Verse 31. And they what? They begged. Can you go? They begged Jesus. Once again, something's going on here. Begged Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss. Large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons, what again? What's, come on, what's the word again? Begged. So what, what's the authority and power structure going on here? Who's in authority? Jesus. Who's begging? Jesus. This guy with the demons. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. Once again, what does Jesus actually say? Nothing. Interesting. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. The herd rushed down the sheep, steep bank, the lake, and was drowned. And there was no men's breakfast because all the bacon was dead. <laughs> then those tending the pigs saw what happened. They ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus. They found the man. They found the man from whom the demons had gone out. He was what? sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind. And they were what? They were afraid. Shouldn't they have been afraid of the dude running around cutting himself, screaming, and couldn't be held by chains? Instead, they're afraid now when he's dressed in his right mind because the world is really, really afraid of you when you start doing the right thing. They call you weird. So those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Now notice this cured word because that is not healed. There's a Greek word for healed. There's another word for cleansed. There's a Greek word here, soza. doesn't mean his physical body was made well. It means that his spirit, his soul, his brain, his body are all restored by Jesus. How much of them? All of them. Then all the people, the region, the garrisons asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So, uh, let me see. I, I'll just read it up there. Uh, so he got into the boat and he left. And um, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home, tell everybody how much God has done for you. So the man went away all over town and told how much Jesus had done for him. Father, give us a testimony of all the power you have and work in us. Amen. Amen. High five somebody, give them a big smile. Let them know you're happy to sit next to them and then sit down if you wouldn't mind. All right, I got no time and I got a lot to share, so let's do this. Number one, what does the Bible teach about Satan? We're going to talk about Satan today. I'll explain why in a minute. All right? Satan is the accuser. The accuser, the one that makes things up to accuse, divide, and attack. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, he said, God didn't say you will surely die. So he's denying what God said. He's accusing. He's lying. He is going to make Adam and Eve think wrong things. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves for the Lord, and Satan also came with them. So Satan came along, and he's having the angels. I think this is interesting because Satan is created, being created by God, shows up with the other angels, and he shows up for a very purpose, and he's there to talk with God about, about Job, and the remaining story is he's going to badmouth Job and blah, 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 and he's going to get to oppress Job until God brings back an answer. But the whole point of the story that I want to bring right here is that Satan comes to attack Job in the presence of God, to lie about Job, to deceive, and, and to, um, to divide and attack. So uh, Jesus says about Satan, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We'll read that a little later, but I just want you to know that Jesus, who really understands all things that are going on in the heavens, the only one that really understands it on the earth, he's the one that says, I saw Satan fall. I, I kicked him out. I saw him leave, okay? And we know this, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed, and eternal fire prepared for the devil and humans. <clears throat> it does not say devil and humans. What does it say? Devil and his angels. 
So let's talk about demonic powers for just a second because um, there are those that still are the watcher views in this world saying that, that demons, you know, happen because angels in Genesis 6 had sex with women and they created a half a half. Uh, Jesus said not only, not only uh, did Jesus controvert that by saying that um, angels are basically celibate, they don't have sex, but he also said here that the demons are angels not half human, half angel. They're, Satan has angels. And they're a group of him that were stupid enough to go with Satan when he rebelled against God. That's really dumb. Like somebody who's created telling their creator what they are and are not going to do. I, nobody's ever been that dumb before, though. All right. Now, second thing. Jesus demonstrated authority and power over Satan and the demons. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Notice Jesus' words. Be quiet. Shut up. I don't, don't talk to you demons. Be quiet. Come out of him. Then the de demon threw the man down. And uh, before them all and came out of him without injuring him. I think that's really, really key right there, without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what kind of words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to the impure spirits, and they come out. Notice Jesus did not argue with demons. We had some people around here years ago that wanted to start a demon-casting-out ministry. I thought they were pretty dumb. Back in the day, there was this man called Petra. Anybody know who Petra is? Yeah, I heard they're going to be in concert near here soon. I think I'm going to go. They had this song. It was one of the coolest songs back in the 80s. Yes, those of you who think the 80s were great, you weren't living through them. Anyway, back in the 80s, there was a band called Petra that played a song called Judas Kiss. And before Judas Kiss, there was this like, right? What happened? Let me, let me back up. Before that, about a year and a half before that, there was a band called Led Zeppelin. Anybody ever hear of them? And they had a, a, an album that had Stairway to Heaven on it. And the Stairway to Heaven, they said, oh, oh, let me explain this. Used to, you didn't play music from your phone. <laughs> you, you, there was this thing called the turntable. And, and there was this flat, round thing about this big around called an album. And you would put the album on the turntable, and it would turn around and around. And then you would take a needle and put it on there, and the grooves in that record would make music come through your speakers. It was really cool. But some people were listening to Stairway to Heaven and thought, wow, this is cool. I think we should listen to it backwards. How much pot had they smoked? <laughs> anyway, they started listening to it backwards, and when they did, they found backward masking saying things about Satan, apparently. So every preacher that I knew was saying, you can't listen to Led Zeppelin because what they say backwards. I'm like, dude, you ought to be careful listening to Led Zeppelin because what they say forward. <laughs> anyway, we won't get into that. But anyway, so what Petra did, jumping off of this tendency to have all these Christians crazy about what's being played backwards, they put some backwards masking in front of Judas Kiss, which was one of the coolest songs ever in 1984. Yes, 80, no, 82. 81? 82. Anyway, when you played it backwards, though, this is what it said. What are you looking for the devil for when you ought to be looking for the Lord? I, this is good stuff. Because, you see... We have a tendency to want to glorify darkness, which we've already talked about, and to glorify Satan and to focus on Satan because for some reason it gives us an inward buzz. So these Christians in our church wanted to start casting demons out of everybody. And they had this system that they were going to, like, counsel these demons away. And they used to ask the big question. Here's the big question. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Now, listen to me for just a second. Demon possession might be real, might not be real, might, is real, isn't real, is real. It may depend on 
uh, your interaction with the devil may depend on your mental often whatever. I, I, you could have physical, chemical things wrong in your brain, like epilepsy, that they would have called demon possession when the Bible was written. Are y'all following me here? There's all kinds of things going on here. There's all kinds of things. We'll come back to that in a second. But anyway, these guys, they were asking the question, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And I, I answered this way. I think a Christian as a child of God can have anything they want. And if you want to play around with the devil all the time, guess what you're going to get? Hold on, I don't think you got that. If you're going to play around with the devil all the time, guess what you're going to get? So they wanted to do these counseling sessions where we cast demons out of people. And I'm like, dude, you guys are stupid. Stop it, stop it, stop it. People wound up leaving the church. I don't care. I'd rather them leave the church than I had them fill this place with all kinds of idolatry and wrong. So here's the deal. Let me say this. We don't counsel demons at Harvest Ridge. We tell them to leave in the name of Jesus. Because I follow Jesus' example, and with the Word, well, hold on, hold on. All right. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Did we do the Luke with the authority and power? He gives orders, impure spirits, and they come out. We did that verse? All right, how about we do this one? Uh, Matthew eight sixteen. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he did something else. What did he do? He healed them. And then just drive out the demon spirits. He healed them. We'll come back to that. But let's talk about this. A couple of weeks ago, this is why I want to preach this message, because I had this story. I talked about this with a couple of people in the church, and they're like, what? Wait, what? A couple of weeks ago, we had a guy show up at church. Um, well, let me give you the back story first, okay? It's 6.30 in the morning, and uh, I'm taking my shower, and I'm, I'm asking God. I normally just say, God, do you have anything you want to say to me? It's usually the first thing I say every morning. Do you have something you want to say to me? That day, very clearly, God spoke to me. He said, with the word, they cast out demons, quoting this verse. And I'm like, what? With the word, they cast out demons. And that's what goes through my head. And I can't get it out of my head. So I'm now brushing my teeth. And all I can think is, with the word, they cast out demons. So I'm like thinking about this and I'm God, are you speaking to me? You've got something you want to do at church today? Because it was Sunday morning. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want? And I could not get this verse out of my head. I'm thinking, all right, God's probably got something going on. And those who were a part of our, our gathering that we do before service, our run-through we do before service, will tell you I was wrestling uh, about how we were going to do altar time because I believe God was speaking to me that I need to bind up the spiritual forces in the room. I need to take authority over every demonic power. And those of you that have been around for a while will know this is not regular behavior, right? Those of you that have been around for a while, am I correct? I don't like, we don't bind up demons every week, right? Right? Wave so the other people can know. I'm not lying, all right? I'm not lying. This isn't like normal, all right? So anyway, I come into church. I tell the 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 people I say, um, the people in run-through, I think the end of service, God wants me to bind up demons in the place, take authority over demonic spirits. And they're like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what we're going to do for the altar time, which is why we have run-through is because that's what we were going to do. So we decided how we were going to end the service. And then, yeah, end of service comes, and uh, I stood up and I prayed a prayer, taking authority over every demonic spirit in the place. I'll come back to that in a second. All right. Jesus' power over demonic powers was proof of God's approval. I want to read a, a long scripture here for you, and I want to point out a couple of things before I finish that story. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. That's called a miracle, right? right? He was healed. And the crowd was amazed, and some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, is driving out, he is driving out demons. What? So they, they said, well, Jesus is driving out demons, therefore it's got to be another demon driving out demons. And Jesus, uh, uh, oh, others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Like, dude, the deaf and mute man just spoke. <laughs> is that not a sign? By the way, if you want a sign, you want God to give you a sign that he's, that he's God, you won't believe it if he gives it to you. Because there are signs all over the place. I can take you to 50 signs. God done all kinds of miracles. You don't need a sign. You know what you have? You have a rebellious heart. You just need to believe. Okay? All right. So others tested him, asking for a sign from heaven. They had just saw a sign, but it wasn't good enough. 
Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I tell you this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, who are your followers driving out demons by? Now, I'm not a huge fan of The Chosen. I've watched a little bit of it. There's some parts of character development that I eh, have some tension around. But I loved that part where Nicodemus was driving out the demon and couldn't drive out the demon, and then Jesus drives out the demon, and Mary Magdalene, and he's like, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Anyway, uh, that's what I think of when I think about this. You know, Nicodemus, he apparently had driven out demons before. That's the reason, you know, there were people driving out demons in the name of God that were not followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus is here saying, hey, just because you guys are operating in this Milu of Enoch understanding and second temple ideology, it doesn't mean, anyway, doesn't mean I'm limited by it. And if your guys are driving out demons, well, then why are you throwing a, a why are you throwing a, a shade my way? So then they will be your judges. And notice he said this, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus said, no, by the way, by the way, you will not find this is an Old Testament prophecy. There's no demons in the Old Testament. They all showed up in the New Testament. What Jesus is saying is, I am powerful enough to fulfill all the Old Testament scripture, and I'm powerful enough to deal with your view of thinking right now, too, both. And he says, so you want somebody that takes authority over this stuff? Well, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, well, then obviously the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger, Jesus is calling himself what? Stronger. Attacks and overpowers him. He takes away the armor in which uh, the man trusts and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure, catch this, when an impure spirit, when an impure spirit goes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest, doesn't find it, then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. They go in and live there, and the final condition of this person is worse than the first. So, Final condition worse than the first. I mean, it's, it's like we got this animal that lives in my house. It's a dog. I don't have any idea why I have a dog living in my house other than I'm way too kind. But anyway, this dog gets sick occasionally. When it gets sick, it gets diarrhea. And when it gets diarrhea and it poops all over the floor, you know what we find all over its nose? Poop, because it's eating its own poop. What kind of, what in the world would possess you to think it's okay to eat your own dung? And I have this thing living in my house. This is stupid. I am stupid with a capital S. I'm telling you. It's bad. Anyway, all right. Yeah, you, when God delivers you and sets you free, unless you make the decisions to go live in that freedom, what happened? You come back and not just a little bit, it comes back seven times worse. Because a moment of freedom is not meant to be a moment of freedom for a moment of freedom only. It's meant to be a, for a lifetime. And if you're not going to capitalize on it for a lifetime, then why, why make your second condition worse? All right. So here's the rest of the story. The day I bound up the demons, dude comes walking in the church. Remember, God told me, with a word, you'll drive out demons. Okay? Dude comes into church. Um... He had gotten kicked out of a church the week before for disrupting the service and making it, uh, doing some crazy stuff. Well, he's in here. And uh, end of service, he comes, I'm going to use this word, snaking up to me, trying to crooked to come up to talk to me. Remember, we had just bound up demons, told them they are not allowed, they don't have any authority in here, not allowed to work. Dude stands right here, I stand right there. He comes up to me and looks all goofy and says, good sermon, except he didn't use this. And he points to the King James Version Bible. And I'm like, oh no, one of those. I had no idea. <laughs> anyway, um, and then he says, am I welcome here? And I said, you are welcome here. Absolutely. Everybody is welcome here. And then he says, well, good. I'm a telepath. And I talked to the aliens that fly over my house. 
And then he goes off on 15 other descriptions of all the things he sees and experiences and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, no, 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 no. I said, you are welcome here. That stuff you're saying is not welcome here in the name of Jesus. And when I said in the name of Jesus, he said, and I'm a, I'm a shapeshifter and I'm going to become a lizard. And he started, dude, look like a lizard. I'm not kidding. His eyes bugged, his head. I, I was like, this is weird. The people that saw it will tell you it happened, all right? I'm not making this up because there were a whole group of people watching it happen because all of our staff, you know, all of those guys who are our um, 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 security, yeah, they were standing there behind them, hands on their guns. By the way, that's why, that's why if you bring a gun to this church, this ain't a place for cowboys. This is a place where you're a responsible adult. That's why you'll go and you will interact with our security team, make sure we ain't got no cowboys in this place. Y'all follow me? All right. All right, good. So anyway, dude standing there, he says, I'm a shapeshifter. And I said, uh, he started changing his form and his movements. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. He looked at me, stopped. He flipped me off and turned and walked out. And by the time he made it to the back door, he flipped me out three, flipped me off three more times. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because, number one, I'm not going to put up with that junk in this place. There were kids in this building, and they don't need to see some guy acting out. Well, I went home, though, and I am a guy who has a, I'm, I've got a sensitive heart. I'm sorry. I just do. And I go home, and I get, I'm getting attacked by the devil. Well, this guy comes to you for deliverance, and you don't even deliver him. Instead, you just tell him you're not going to put up with his junk, and you kick him out. Why didn't you deliver him if he came to you for deliverance? What are you? And, and the Holy Spirit, I, come on, come on, y'all listen. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And the Holy Spirit said to me, who spoke to you in the morning to get prepared for the demon? He said, I spoke to you to told you, told you what to do. And that's the reason he didn't act out during service is because you had already taken authority with the Word. And when He came to you, He was not looking for deliverance because as soon as you commanded the Spirit to stop it in the name of Jesus, He left because if you would have delivered Him, seven more would have come back worse. And if I wanted you to deliver that guy, I would have given you the command to do it, and you would have listened because you listened in the morning. Why wouldn't you listen in the afternoon? Now, I tell you that story not to glorify me because there isn't anything holy about me. This is nothing great about me. I'm just simply saying, if you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be afraid when the lies of the devil come your way. So, Jesus also passed on this power to his followers. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I've given you all authority over snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. might hurt you, but it won't harm you. Because harm means you would be done damage for eternity, and nothing's going to harm you. Things will hurt you, by the way, in this life, but nothing will harm you if you're in the palm of Jesus' hand. So I never pray for God to protect you from pain. I pray for God to protect you from harm because your pain's going to teach you how to grow up and be a man or woman. I got about half of you awake. Are the rest of you with me? Everybody shout, amen. amen. All right, good. All right, look, I'm about to land this plane, but y'all going to have to stay with me, all right? And then he said, however, do not, catch this, however, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you. That's just normal fodder for a Christian, for a Christian. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what you rejoice about. We rejoice over the right stuff, not the goofy stuff. Don't go looking for the devil. The devil come looking for you enough. There's no reason for you to play with them. All right, Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon that came out of the boy and he was what? healed. Jesus didn't just deal with demonic oppression or possession. He dealt with the healing of the individual, body, soul, and spirit, both their mind from the PTSD, their body from the epilepsy or the lack of serotonin or whatever it may be. He dealt with healing them. 
So Jesus don't only have power over demons, he's got power over the sickness that is causing you to struggle. All right. Disciples came to Jesus in private and said, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Now listen, I'm not going to go hyper-faith on you here. You don't have to increase your faith or whatever. It's the reason we fasted and prayed for 21 days. And if you want more faith in God, then do this. Discipline your body so that your spirit is open to hearing from Him. The more you discipline your body to subject it to Jesus, the more your spirit will be in touch with Him. That's why we fasted and prayed for 21 days. And if you haven't done it, well then next week's a great week to go. Let's do it this week, okay? All right, one more. Matthew 7, 22. Many will come to me on that day, say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and perform many miracles? Then he will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Apart, depart from me, you evildoers. Go away from me. Listen, just because you cast out demons, it doesn't mean you're all right with God. I want you to be all right with God. I want you to have a relationship with God that's so strong, so bulletproof, that no power of hell and not even you will lead you away from it. All right, last of all, it's time for you to claim your victory over Satan. All right, this time of year, a lot of sad happens. You know what sad is? Seasonal affective disorder. You all know what that is? Sad? Clouds, rain, like today, and people walking around like this. I've had several people talk to me the last couple weeks, and I'm like, dude, you are sad, and the reason you're sad is because you got sad. As a matter of fact, years ago, there was a lady who came to me end of every January. She would come to me every end of January. My marriage is horrible. I need a divorce. Three years in a row. Finally, third year, I realized, duh, this woman is depressed. Every year, same time. I wonder why. There's a reason I do a cheaper than a divorce getaway where we go get sunshine and I expose my belly to the sun. It happens for a reason. And the reason is because I suffer from sad. This year has been horrible. I don't know why this year has been so bad, but the attack has been horrible this year. And my personal experience is, if you're one of those people that you suffer from seasonal affective disorder, dude, sister, listen to me. Go visit a tanning booth once. Don't go every day. We don't need you to be orange or look like you came out of a cancer coffin. Just get some sunshine somewhere, somehow. Take some vitamins. Get some extra sleep. Understand that it's just your body reacting to no sunshine. I wanted to share that because, but, but here's what happens to me. Every year during that sad time, every, time, every year when I get a little feeling down, Satan comes to me and he starts filling my head. And then I start acting in ways that are inappropriate or talking in ways that are inappropriate. And as soon as I do that, guess what happens? Then I get more mad at me for acting like an idiot on top of already not feeling good. And that makes me more depressed because depression is anger turned inward. And I'm mad at me for not being a better person. I want to fix this problem, but I can't. Therefore, I get mad. And what do I do? I take it out on myself. That's depression at its core. And I understand it well because I live with it. Understand. All right. Now, when you have these feelings and you act on them, your condemnation goes up and your depression goes up. So, I want to talk to you. How do you win? Can I give you a couple of minutes of how to win? Good. Sorry your kids are destroying the place, but we'll give them five minutes. John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out his desires. He was murdered from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he was a, a liar and the father of all lies. So when Satan tells you you're a loser, what do you know? You're not a loser because he's a liar. When Satan tells you you can't make it, what do you know? You can make it because he's a liar. He tells you you're worthless. You're incredibly valuable. How do I know? Because he's a liar. At some point, we have to realize that the lies of Satan are simply lies. And you have to reject his lies. And that's why 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, the weapons... Oh, back up, back up, before we get to there. You know what Satan is? He's a mosquito. Anybody ever be in a room with a mosquito? <coughs> mosquito is powerless. Even if he bites you and sucks all the blood out of you, all the blood he can get, he is powerless. Did you know that? He's an annoyance. He's going to make you itch and scratch. A mosquito is just an annoyance. You know the only power that a mosquito has? If they insert into you something like 
I don't know, yellow fever, dengue fever, malaria, something like that. When they do that, then they're passing on their disease to you. Satan is a mosquito. He has no power. But the only thing he has is when you actually believe his lies. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The de how do we demolish these strongholds? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we do it by taking captive every thought. I know the devil whispers lies in your ears, and it happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to you. It happens to you. It happens to every single one of you. Are you going to take captive those thoughts? Listen, you can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can stop them from this, building a nest on your head. They're going to fly over. The thoughts are going to come your way. You choose whether or not you choose to think about them. So how do we win? This is how we win. James 4, 8, 7, 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Let's just stop. What's the first step to win against the devil? Submit. Submit to God. God says, do this, you do it. God says, don't do this, you don't do it. Submit to God. Means he is Lord, you're not. Means he is Lord, your ideology of yourself is not. He is Lord. Who is Lord? Jesus is Lord. And submit yourself to God means whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Wake up every morning, listen to him, read your Bible, pray, spend some time listening to worship music, turn off some of that other stuff. Come on. You guys listen to stuff that would make anybody crazy. And you wonder why you struggle with your mental and emotional well-being? If I listened to your garbage, I'd be nuts. You're stronger than I am. You're here today. I'd be like in a loony bin banging my head against the wall. I'm not making fun of anybody that's ever been there because I've been really, really close. All right, so what do you do? You submit to God. Then you do what? You resist the devil. You resist his lies. And then you do something last. When you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So you come near to God, and he's going to come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. All right. So this past year, I've been under constant attack. This year, it's been really, really bad. But I started practicing this. Can you put up the submit to God, resist the devil, and recommit to do what's right? And I want you to know that even though the feelings have been bad, the behaviors haven't been so bad. And when the behaviors haven't been so bad, the depression doesn't come on, and the attitude and the ideas and those things don't... Are, are y'all following me here? Submit to God, resist the devil, recommit to do what's right. One final thing. Uh, Jesus... And then I'm going to tell you a story. Jesus rebuked the impure spirit and then healed the boy. Now, whether it's a demonic spirit, one of the fallen angels that's bugging you, or whether it is your PTSD from the abuse you suffered, or maybe it's the fact that you think you got PTSD because everybody in culture has PTSD, and now you have to have it too for you to be normal. Because the world's going to lie to you. Everybody's got to be broken now. Everybody's got to... It's real, and it's also at times we get something in our head. Like, I can be a girl now. You watched enough TikTok, you know... Uh, I don't have time. Whatever it is that's going through your head, whatever it is that's going through your head that's leading you away from God's best, guess what you have to do? You have to submit that to God, and then Jesus wants to heal you. Not just deliver you from Satan, but heal you. So if you do have a physical malady, Jesus is able to heal body, soul, and spirit. You are a triune being. It's more than just his dominance over the spiritual world. He also can heal your physical body of those physical needs in you. He also can heal your soul, your thinking about yourself. All right. So there was a girl that came to church several years ago. It was about a year ago. And for some reason, we were moving chairs. And it was after service, and she comes up, and she wants to pray. It happened right here. Don't come to this part of the church. <laughs> it happened right here. She said, would you pray for me? And I'm like, okay, I'll pray for you. Well, somebody had told me that she had done some stuff at other churches, and I didn't know the extent until after the fact. But anyway, I started praying for her, and she started hissing. 
then she started her snake movements. I was like, this is weird. And when she hissed at me again, I realized, oh, she's saying she's demonic possessed. Well, there were some kids running around the church, and uh, I, I wasn't really a fan of what was going on at that moment. So I said, in the name of Jesus, stop it. Because remember, my view of how we deal with demons is formed by Jesus, right? If it is demonic power, I'm not going to have a conversation with them. We're just going to deal with them. So I said, in the name of Jesus, stop it. Well, she did. And she looked at me and she was mad. She was mad because I stopped her show. Now, she had been doing this at churches. <clears throat> and they had been casting demons out of her for a long time. Because she'd go and have the same repeated scenario. And I was the first person that ever told her to stop it. In the name of Jesus, you're not doing that here. And I talked to her and asked her if she wanted to get free. She's so mad at me, she walked out of the door spitting fire at me for stopping the show. She was so mad, she called some Christian ladies. Because I'd shared with her the plan of salvation. She called some Christian ladies. Two days later on a retreat, she finally admitted all the things that had happened in her life that brought her to that point. And she finally confessed Jesus as Lord. And she not only is delivered, but this woman is now married and she now serves Jesus and is following Christ with her husband. They live in California. And I want to ask you a very simple question. What would have happened if I had played the game that every other Christian played? We're going to play with the demons. She would have walked out of here just as bound up as she walked in. And some of you, you have Christianese bull in your head that you got to play the devil's games. God gave you authority. It is time for you to walk and act in that authority and to stop playing with the devil. Stop it. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be restored, leave the sin behind, submit to him, make him your Lord now. In the name of Jesus, I declare it over you. Will you receive it? I want you to stand with me around this room. We're going to sing a song. The song we're going to sing is not about powers of darkness. No, it's about Jesus who is Lord of all. And if you're in this room today and you want to be free, you want to be free. I don't know what it is. You've been bound up by whatever it is. Maybe you need a physical healing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Whatever it is, you want to be free. I want you to come to this altar right now and we're going to pray a prayer over you and believe that you're going to be restored and delivered in the name of Jesus. Come on right now.